Today, I want to entitle my message, Yielding Your Authority to the Holy Spirit. Yielding Your Authority to the Holy Spirit. As a young man, I was raised in the home of two pastors, Cam and Jackie Fontaine. My dad was only alive because on his deathbed as a teenager, given only months to live, knowing nothing about God, he was transported to northern Alberta to a small town, a larger town, where a man of God who operated in miracles would pray for the sick. My great-grandma, his grandma, got him there. And to everyone's amazement, he had rheumatic fever and the valves of his lung, of his heart, were so damaged that it had swollen so tight that his heart could hardly be contained in his thoracic cavity. And uh, he would be gasping for breath. And my grandpa and grandma had a ranch and a logging operation that was all hands on deck. And so he would have to stay in his bedroom and by himself, he could hardly walk. And uh, they bought him a guitar and he would just kind of sit there and try to entertain himself until my great-grandmother, Olive, decided to go against. They were all kind of a Roman Catholic faith, and she was going to go see some kind of a Pentecostal, some kind of a charismatic, some kind of a weird guy. And, uh, and in doing so, he was completely healed, and then began logging and working on the ranch and the logging operation. Uh, from that point on, everything we knew about him was stunning health and vitality. And as I looked around as my dad and mom pastored at the speakers they would bring in, I noticed a remarkable difference. Some had a work, some had a knowledge of the word that was special and it was attractive. Others operated in the word. They did what it said. And I knew that if I was ever going to go into the ministry, because I knew I was called from a young age, but I fought it because of so many that I would see that just never seemed to walk in authority or courage or, you know, they just had to have tea with grannies and obey the board and, and just try to make church work and we'd cycle pastors in and out and it just not for me. But I noticed a difference that there were some who were, quote-unquote, filled with the Spirit. Now, it's a term that many of the denominations use, but as I travel around the world training pastors and working with denominations, I find very little working of the gifts of the Spirit, which is the miracles that we read in the New Testament. And so I would speak as just a young teenager, with the different speakers that would come in, I was so fascinated. And they would talk about this praying in the Spirit. Now, I also would see people that were almost crazy. Uh, they would do stupid things, weird things. And they'd even get miracles sometimes. But I would look at it and go, oh, give me a break. And I remember at a point in my life where I really wanted to follow God, and I, I didn't just want to know His Word. I, I wanted to move in the things of the Spirit, this knowing and, and seeing the supernatural help of God in my life. And I said, God, do I have to act like that guy? 
that's pathetic. People would say, well, you know, you just got to be humble. God will humble you, and if Holy Spirit wants to use you, then don't be embarrassed by what's crazy. And I, well, I guess that kind of makes sense, but then I'd go to some services. It was so crazy I had to leave. And then I found out that when you talk to many believers, if you talked about a spirit-filled service, it meant crazy service. If you talked about a spirit-filled person, it meant pretty much crazy person. No one would listen to him, talk with him, hang out with him. I mean, but you know what? If you wanted a miracle, he's probably your best chance. So I began a hunt saying, God, I need to understand Holy Spirit. I need to understand this supernatural unfair advantage that many of the leaders had over others. And then what I love about God is when I would ask him questions and study the word, he would give me some of the most profound, deep answers, but it would come simply. For example, I said, God, well, okay, this guy just got the whole church doing this and jumping through that and, and, and great balls of fire and ladders to heaven. And God, every time someone says the spirit moved, it meant crazy moved. He said, what did I do? Well, the craziest thing you did was maybe walk on the water. Maybe spit and make some clay and a guy could see. I don't mind that. The apostle Paul, I don't read anything crazy thing about him other than raising the dead, healing the sick, Peter. And I found nothing in the early church that was reminiscent of some of the craziness that I would see. Now, this is not my message. I just want to introduce this because there's somebody here today that needs to hear this. And so I said, God, I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to pray in the spirit. I want to move in the nine gifts of the spirit. I want to function there. And I will do whatever you ask me to do. But now I know that you're not just on purpose trying to make me crazy. I was a paramedic very shortly after, not a pastor. And I begin to have to practice, and, and I begin to uh, pray in the Spirit. I went forward for an altar call as just a young teen where they prayed for people to receive the infilling of the Spirit. And from that point as a teenager, when I begin to pray in the Spirit and get into God's Word, my life was different. I was into sports I traveled all across Canada competing on track teams for high school, then for universities, and was training for the Olympics. Um, just seemed to have a, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit would guide me and lead me and help me in my quest. I had uh, scholarships in, you know, universities in the States, and everything seemed to be going well. And I noticed that the people that I hung with had this appetite for sin. There was more sex and, and stuff going on amongst the track teams because they couldn't do alcohol or drugs because they would, you know, you'd get tested and you'd lose your medals. And, uh, and I remember as a young guy just thinking to myself, well, you know, I have desires like everybody else, but, but what is it? But when I look back now at this period of my life as a teenager, I would know things. And I didn't understand Holy Spirit was revealing things to me, empowering me, so that temptation could be handled easy. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Yet I would talk to other Christian guys who were on the teams with me, and girls, and, and they would just talk about this unbelievable temptation that they just can't stop. And I mean, I was tempted. 
But I just found an incredible ability to walk through the temptation and not give into it. And so as I begin to understand praying in the Spirit, when I was a paramedic and I would be the supervisor, there were certain things that began to happen because now I began to work in a career. For example, I would know things that were impossible to know. And you see, all of us have five senses, and our five senses continually feed us data. The data is in the physical world, and the data is in the present and past tense. But you all have a heart, which you have something called faith that flows through. And all of the faith that you need to overcome anything in this world and to walk in a supernatural ability is a different area of living that I've just noticed few seem to move into. I would do things like one time we had an accident where it was a very cold, slippery day, and a car had there been this massive accident, and the ditch was a sloping, long uh, ditch from the highway down, and a car was mangled on the, the, uh, in the middle of the ditch, so it was ready to slip. It just starts sliding down, and a young man was tangled in the wreckage, and, and I was supervising at the time, and so we quickly secured this vehicle with blocking and stakes waiting for a tow truck to come. And the way this accident was, I needed two tow trucks just to secure this ripped in half car with this man tangled in the wreckage. And uh, I remember that I wasn't, I was supervising, so I wasn't the hands-on. And so men were in there as soon as we stabilized the site. Uh, they went in there to work and I began to walk and look at the other uh, dynamics of this accident, the other car and the patients. And all of a sudden, just bam, just like that I knew, quickly turn and stop it. And I turned and I noticed they were just about to extricate uh, this guy, which was to, they had a collar on him, and they were going to roll him onto a backboard and get him out of the wreckage. And I just knew, stop them. I, mean, I just hollered, stop. And I knew they had done proper scans. They were brilliant men, but I knew something was wrong. So I walked, I was a police, just, just humor me, just stop for a minute. Whipped on a pair of gloves, and I quickly began to do an even more in-depth uh, check on his body because he was laying on his stomach. He was unconscious. He was laying in the wreckage. And as I began to feel around, I felt that his, his stomach was ripped from one end to the other through the skin, the stomach wall, and all of the intestines were ready to just evacuate. If they'd have rolled him, they'd have left his entire abdominal cavity contents in the wreckage. And when I said stop, and I just, there was no way to know that, but I just knew it. And so I quickly put my hands around and held it in place of the stomach wall. We rotated him onto a backboard, and, and then from there they took him, processed him. I thought, this guy's going to die. He must have more glass in that cut than you can imagine, and the infection's got to be brutal. And it wasn't just a few weeks later, and he was out of the hospital totally fine. But if they'd have rolled him, we probably would have lost him. Holy Spirit, I found, not just made me sensitive to things, but he would show and reveal things that have to do with my work, that would have to do uh, with my family, my home. He gave me a, what some might call an unfair advantage at life. When dealing with this church as we started in Winnipeg and we begin to move out into other cities, there would be times I would drive right by a piece of property and I just know, buy that property. Well, it's not for sale. So I had my staff hunt down who owns this property. Well, CP Rail owns this property or, or CN, I forget which one it was. As I quickly call them right now and tell them we want to buy those 38 acres. And they called them and said, how did you know? We just made this decision like yesterday. And uh, yes, we'll sell it to you. And we bought the property, giving us even greater, just <clears throat> things that we need in the hiring. There's times, attempts on my life where I'd walk into a church. And uh, one example, 
and uh, see this guy. And as I'm walking, I just stop and turn to one of my head. I say, see that guy right there? Follow him. Don't let him be by himself. Into the bathroom, anywhere he goes, you just follow him. Found out later he'd murdered his wife. Uh, it went on from there, brutal. This guy was demonically oppressed, and he was a murderer, and uh, he was amongst our church people. I said, just follow him. And when we saw his picture in the paper, we realized he'd come back twice. We didn't know who he was, what was going on. But this, each time that we saw him, we knew, don't even leave him alone for two seconds. The Holy Spirit, now he is your helper. He is super, a supernatural advantage to you in your marriage, in raising kids, in your career. And when you begin to talk about Holy Spirit, you have to understand that He will never override you, never take control away from you. He's never going to dominate you, deceive you. In our world and in our relationships, whether it's your marriage or your kids or, or people in business or, or, or family that you have to, maybe you got an inheritance and you got to share things. And you try to change someone's mind on something or change their heart, and you can't. You can use all your persuasive abilities you want to try to get situations to go in your direction. And it can be quite the crapshoot. If you don't believe me, get married. You can't force people, dominate people, manipulate people. Oh, and if you do it and you win, you don't win because in the long run you totally lose. But Holy Spirit has a stunning ability. And when I begin to study, I found in Romans chapter 8 where it talks about that you know, that he causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. But then it says that Holy Spirit searches the hearts of man. Oh, why has he got to search the hearts for? I'm forgiven. I'm washing the blood of the lamb. My sin is in the sea of forgetfulness. God doesn't remind himself. What has Holy Spirit got to search my heart for? And as I begin to dive into God's word, and I want to just say something to the, those of you who feel like you're mature in the word. There is such an array of stunning, amazing things ahead of you if you'd stop thinking you know it all. Knowing it is you'll never learn more than you operate in. And this is something the church world doesn't understand. With all the seminaries, cemeteries that we have across the planet trying to teach people the Word of God, we have looked more at the understanding of doctrine, which I know is important, rather than the operating of a believer. And Jesus said, you're going to do what I do. He didn't just say, you're going to know what I know. He said, you're going to do what I do. The things that I do, you shall do also. The early church didn't even have a New Testament. And so the dependence on Holy Spirit was stunningly higher than we see it in the church world today because they had beautiful portions of Scripture from the Old Testament, major prophets, minor prophets, that would talk about the Messiah coming and what it would be like. It predicted the cross, the nails in his hands, the thorns on his head. It predicted him going to hell, dying for our sin. It predicted the new church rising up as a born-again believer with power and ability. And, and, and yet people think that they know it all because they've heard that before. What you've heard is meaningless. What you think you know does nothing unless you begin to operate in it. It is in the operating of it. The Bible says that if you hear but don't do, you are self-deceived, James. And so I wanted to know this. And, I, and one of the, the verses that really helped me and of so many, and, I'm, and I'd love to quote many, but in James in um, Jude 20, it talks about building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. And so in the first service, I really unpacked this thing called praying. Now, the, the King James uses the word other tongues. Now, the word tongues is simply how Old English 
used for tongues means languages. And so, Holy Spirit, when, when we begin to pray and allow Holy Spirit, this is only for born-again believers. Any unsaved that try to get this, they go, it gets bad. A born-again believer where Jesus has washed you clean, he lives within you. When you become filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of praying in other languages, as you pray in this every day, Holy Spirit, who's in your human spirit, knows what you should be praying for, even though your head doesn't. Now, prayer is not begging, bugging, or pleading. Prayer is the use of authority that you've already been given. Adam was told, have dominion over the planet. There's the authority that was given to him. Jesus, who came in a human body and died in our place, said, all authority is given to me in the last chapter of Matthew, and on heaven and in earth. So this issue of authority has to do with prayer. Prayer is not bugging and pleading with God to do something. There's nothing left for God to do. What do you mean, Leon? In the Old Covenant, there was. In the New Covenant, Jesus himself said, and and there's a bit of prophetic utterance in this, he said, before you ask, I knew you needed it. It goes even beyond that. Once Jesus died on the cross and took your sin, the Bible says you are now qualified for all of the blessings. It's no longer if, 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 if. By whose stripes you were healed. The Bible says over and over that the miraculous flow of God's power that you will need in your future has already been decided, it has already been done, and it always will lead you towards life. Killing, stealing, destroying is the enemy. And so as you pray in the Spirit, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit searches our heart. Why would he do that? Because the only thing that stops the stunning, phenomenal power of God from flowing in your life, your marriage, your body, your health, your kids, your generations, then your your future, and reaching and getting the harvest off and doing great things for God is misbeliefs in the heart. God's not going to stop it. The devil doesn't have the power to stop it. And so all of us have misbeliefs in our heart that we've developed through hurts and and how we were raised and what's gone on. And so Holy Spirit begins to establish your heart in grace. He does that by by, by searching the hearts of you and I. And beliefs, misbeliefs, doubts, hurts, brokenness, uh, things that need to be cleaned out so the presence of God, which is already in you, can flow out of you in a stunning way that It's the searching of the heart. It's the establishing of the heart. And so when I begin to realize how stunning Holy Spirit is, and that when I partner with Him, that I need to learn to let Him pray through my human spirit. And 1 Corinthians 14 talks about this to the place where Paul, who received more revelation than any other person than Jesus, he said, I pray in the Spirit more than you all. And to him, he got the revelation of the cross to the throne, something the disciples weren't even really aware of. They saw the historical Jesus walking, talking, healing, walking on water, doing miracles. But when he died and when he disappeared for days, where was he? What did he do? What happened? And the apostle Paul began to use Old Testament scripture and revelation of Holy Spirit and show them that he died. He went to hell, that he rose again with new life. He went to heaven and and sprinkled literally his blood and and, and purified. the. It's just, whoa! Even the disciples said what the apostle Paul is sharing is just so beautiful. It's beyond what we're, what we're thinking. This man, he, he just recognized this, his helper, Holy Spirit. And so 
It's crucial that you understand how vital it is to live and to pray in the Spirit. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 11, it says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast your care on him. He cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. vigilant, Because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, is walking around looking for someone to devour. You resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. And the God of grace who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered for a while, he'll make you perfect, establish you, strengthen you, settle you. Yes, in this life, suffering is here. God's not ordained it. It's just people will come against you. People might mock you. People might stab you in the back. Stuff goes on. But there's something I want to talk to you about really quickly. In the first six of 1 Peter 5, it says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Interesting, as you continue to study the Word and grow in the Word, you'll find that Jesus is referred to as the arm of God. Holy Spirit is referred to as the hand of God. And you can see it through Old Testament study. And so here it's saying, so it talks about the arm of God and, and what, and then here it's talking about the hand of God. He is sharing, he, he's teaching us that if you want to walk in a place where no cares or worries or things stress you out emotionally, you walk in a stunning peace. If you want to be able to make decisions that haven't even, the miracle hasn't happened yet and you're in this period of it's happening and it's working, you just walk in peace and faith and there's no fear and worry because you've learned to pray in the Spirit and the Spirit of God begins to flow in your life. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. He talks about his joy that is yours. And so regardless of what you see, and your five senses will feed you through, I mean, each data stream of your senses is accumulating millions of bits of information just for what you hear, then just what you see, then just how you feel. And so none of it is capable of knowing what goes on in the spirit world, the real world that is going to last, where the angels are, where, where, where God is. And you begin to pray in the spirit. You literally begin to see the presence of God take care of things, and you begin to trust. This faith begins to rise up in you, and you just know God will never leave you. He'll never fail you. Praying in the Spirit has a stunning effect, not just on you, but as you pray for someone that you love that is maybe, uh, you know, this, the Bible says he even searches their hearts and helps begin to move aside the hurts and the brokenness and the misbeliefs that are hurting them from even receiving God, or if they're born-again believer, from working with you on that. Maybe you're going before a judge, and, and someone's just really cheating and lying and trying to take something from you, and as you pray, you don't even know who to pray or what to pray about, but you pray in the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit knows which judge you're going to get, which lawyer. He knows which jury, if there's a jury, and he begins to work on the hearts of these people, and everything's going to work together for good because you're praying in the Spirit, and the presence of God is moving and flowing, not just through your heart, but in the hearts. And you can't touch another man's heart. Many of you have tried to convince somebody of something, but Holy Spirit's a master at this. He won't force them, but he can reveal and touch hearts in a way that maybe hurts and brokenness that caused this judge, we're in this example, to make a a prediction or easily to manipulate by the opposing lawyer. It's just stunning to me as I begin to pray in the Spirit each day, just by myself in my prayer closet, how things begin to change. And rather than having a knowledge of the Word that was fun to talk about, I begin to live it out. 
I begin to see miracles. I begin to handle millions of dollars. I begin to gather lands and buildings and television channels and, and the things that I knew the kingdom of God would need. And I begin to practice the things that God was doing. And I want to challenge you that you can live your life, um, you know, and go to heaven, and that's wonderful. Or you can begin to have the supernatural advantage of praying in the Spirit and then Holy Spirit beginning to move the nine gifts of the Spirit into your life. I mean, gifts of healings, working of miracles, discerning of spirits, like with that evil man that walked into our church. And I don't know what he was up to, but he wasn't there just for fun of it. Uh, whether it is the word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, things you couldn't know except the Spirit of God would reveal it to you. You are not on this planet as a born-again believer to live as a mere human. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about this. And, well, let me read you this first. Another thought I was going to leave you in, in, this, in our second message on this is in 1 John three eighteen to 23, it says, Little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth, in practice and in sincerity. By this we shall know, come to know, perceive, recognize, and understand that we are of the truth. And we can reassure, quiet, conciliate, and pacify our hearts in his presence. You don't want your heart stirred with trouble. Jesus very clearly to his disciples in John 14 said, Let not your heart be troubled. It wasn't a cute greeting. It was an understanding from the Savior, do not let your heart get troubled. Do not let something rise up in your heart other than God's peace and his joy. So here it says, whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us, for we are in God's hands, but he is above and greater than our consciences, our hearts. And he knows, perceives, and understands everything. Nothing is hidden from him. And beloved, if our consciences, our hearts, do not accuse us, if they don't make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, complete assurance, and boldness before God. And we receive from him whatever we ask. That word ask in the Greek is the same word for declare. So when you, are, when you begin to understand this new covenant and that Holy Spirit, Jesus was speaking to his disciples and they hung out with Jesus for three and a half years. They were his best friend. They were in love with this man as a friend. Jesus knew what to do, where to go, when to do it. He loved them so completely to hang around with Jesus for three years and then lose him was a stunning. It was so bad that Jesus said they're going to feel like orphans but I will not leave you orphans. Holy Spirit's going to come. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, the dynamic change that takes place in your emotions and in your thinking is stunning. And then, as you continue to walk out what he shows you, what you should be doing, etc., um, you're walking out this path. It's amazing the adventure that you get to live. And so you begin to walk in a miraculous a power that is not just, well, it's kind of whatever God wills. No, he's already willed that you walk in healing, and he's gifted it to you. He's already willed that you walk in prosperity and blessing, and he's gifted it. He's already willed that you walk, and that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. But it's your heart that's got to be dealt with if you want to grow in faith. And praying in the Spirit causes something to take place in your heart, the kids, the, your wife, spouse, parents, friends, judges, neighbors, whatever God wants to use you to minister to people, as you pray in the Spirit, things begin to happen because Holy Spirit goes to work on their hearts. They've got to receive the miracle. 
I found that anybody that completely doubted in me, I didn't bother praying for them. Jesus couldn't heal people because of their unbelief. How can you? And so he went about the villages teaching and preaching in his home area. So in Romans chapter 8, when you talk about this well-talked-about verse, and we're going to close here with this, and it talks about um, verse 26, 27, 28, and on. It talks about all things working together for good. Okay, And people just say it. They don't pray in the Spirit. They don't even get into God's Word. They, all things are going to work together for good. And then out of that came a doctrine. Well, then that means if someone got killed and if someone is sick and screaming in pain, must be God's will because he's causing all things to work. It is so far removed from what an in-context study is of this thought. And in verse 27, it says, And he who searches the hearts of men knows God's will, knows the mind of the Spirit. You begin to walk with Holy Spirit as your helper. And as you begin to pray in the Spirit, the Bible says you burn the chaff from the wheat. As he searches your hearts, he's not looking to accuse you of anything. In fact, his job to born-again believers is to convince you you're righteous. But he's, he's finding those misbeliefs and those doubts and the hurts that have caused you, that cause you to function differently, believe differently. And as he begins to establish your heart in the favor and the ability of God called grace, you begin to walk consistently in a supernatural ability in every area of your life. My challenge to you is, as you read your Bible, maybe read through the book of Acts and take a look at what Holy Spirit did in their lives and how that they maintained a fullness. And Peter, filled with the Spirit, said, and Paul, full of the Spirit, said, uh, you'll notice that these men, they had followed Jesus and, and, and they'd learned some stuff, but Peter couldn't do anything right. I mean, he tried to, to protect Jesus and he swung his sword at this guy and cut off his ear and Jesus had to reattach it. And, and he said, Peter, put your sword down. I mean, he doubted Jesus. He ran from him. He left him. But when he was filled with the Spirit, something came over him. That man easily gave his life for Jesus, wrote books of the Bible. Um, When you begin to study people who were not just born again, but they were filled with the Spirit and practiced praying in the Spirit. And because of time's sake, we try to keep our messages down to 25, 30 minutes. I always get a chance to kind of give you a blast, and then you go to work and you study for yourselves. Uh, Because as you go into God's Word and see the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, the Saints, filled with the Spirit. And he's not calling you to be weird, stupid, flighty. No, he is calling you to a level of supernatural ability that will give you an unfair advantage, the world will think. I've had people even tell me, you know, business people that I know, and they're not saying, man, you are so lucky. I said, I know. They're like, man, this is unfair. Everything you seem to go, everywhere you go, things happen. Yeah, I said, I know. And when they're ready, I'll talk to them about it but they may as well see the favor of God on our lives. The Bible says to be blessed is happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Until the world begins to envy your peace of mind, the joy, the ability that you walk in in the presence of God, and the results that take place in career and relationships and protection and all the things that are yours, why would they want what believers have? Some of you need to go back to your roots. Some of you have never heard of this. Just Go read the book of Acts for a few times. We'll have a service soon where we'll pray and get people baptized in the Spirit. And you can live a life of literally staying filled and then walking out. And as you 
try to make relationships work, but you're struggling and you're on your last brain cell, try praying in the Spirit every day. Just spend time in your prayer closet. He knows how to pray exactly. He knows how to search the hearts of each person that needs to be prayed for. He knows how to begin to reveal things to them. He can't force them, but he can reveal things to them so they make proper decisions, good decisions, and they walk out of the torment, the fear, the bad decisions, the the temptations that so easily waylay them. Father, I pray right now that you would touch each person here, that they would realize that knowing you as Savior and Lord, that, Father, there is such a stunning life ahead of us that few seem to walk towards. And I pray that here at Springs, that every person that comes out, every person that's a part of this team, help us, Father, to rise up and to walk in this amazing, wonderful, adventurous flow of doing the things of the Spirit. And, Father, for those who don't know you, I pray today they would just say with their mouth, Jesus, come into my heart and make you my Lord and Savior. And they begin this amazing journey themselves in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I hope that helped you.